ABB Media presents Travel It's Radio, the show that lets you scratch your lust for travel from the friendly confines of your home. I'm your host, Dan Schlossberg, along with my longtime friend and colleague, Mary Ellen Nugent-Lee. And this is the 466th episode of Travel It's Radio. Every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, we visit with hoteliers, airline executives, authors, photographers, publicists, and others in the travel world. You can listen live on iTunes or blogtalkradio.com, or feel free to check out the show later by typing Travel Itch Radio into the blogtalkradio.com search box and clicking on today's date, July 14, 2022. And happy Bastille Day, Mary Ellen, and to you too, Evan. And our guest tonight is <laughs> Evan Smith. President and CEO of Discover Newport, representing the nine coastal communities throughout the Newport and Bristol counties of Rhode Island. Welcome back, Evan, to Travel It's Radio. It's been a long time. Dan, thank you, Mary Ellen. Thank you for having me on um, Travel It's Radio. Uh, it's great to be with you both this evening and talk about my favorite subject, which is travel. Mm-hmm. First of all, Evan, let me tell our listeners how much I love Newport. Not only have I been there many times, but I will always be grateful to you and Discover Newport for hosting the very first national conference of the North American Travel Journalists Association, which I created in 1991. So, Evan, thank you with all my heart. Well, I'm congratulations to you on growing and evolving the association and, and bringing it to where it is today because it is uh, world-renowned today. Uh, membership from all over the world, and so congratulations for following through on all of that. And thank you for lending us Catherine Farrington from your staff. She's done a lot for Nash, and we really appreciate her. Well, she uh, has been a longtime treasure for our staff, and um, she is one of our best ambassadors, so uh, I know she very much enjoys her work with all of the NAJDA members. So now let's talk Newport. When HBO began broadcasting a new series called The Gilded Age earlier this year, the Victorian architecture immediately reminded me of Newport, and sure enough, it was filmed there. So tell us about the mansions that have made Newport so famous. So Newport was one of the principal cities in this chapter of the Gilded Age in America from 1880 up to 1930, uh, when this great wealth was amassed uh, by a number of families. And they were looking for a place to summer, and they came to Newport, and um, with them, they wanted to make a statement about social nobility, and hence, they entered into an architectural kind of a competition to see who could build the most elaborate mansions, and hired mm-hmm. the finest architects in the world, and uh, set off to uh, design these beautiful homes, many inspired by the great palaces of Europe. The difference being in Newport, they were assembled and built right next to each other. So as you go down Bellevue Avenue, you're seeing one mansion after another, which uh, belonged to some of the most notable names in that period. And we were fortunate that we were able to save many of them. Uh, We lost a number of them, but a number of them were saved and still open for the public to enjoy today. Now, Evan, why did so many millionaires land in Newport? Is it because it's a port city halfway between Boston and New York? The, I think the, the, that 
starts with the question of New York and Boston during the 1880s, 1920 period were very hot. They were very polluted. And a number of these Mm -hmm. people were looking for a place to vacation. And Newport was day's ferry ride from New York or Boston. So you could get on a steamship in midtown Manhattan, come up the Long Island Sound, and get to Newport, get to a place that has uh, ocean breezes, has clean water, has clean air, and, and, mm-hmm. and it's very beautiful and very scenic. And so it had a lot to do with the geography so that people could get there on a day's ferry ride, uh, whether you're coming north from Boston, or excuse me, north from New York or south from Boston. So geography and beauty were the two principles of why that all happened. Mm-hmm. Newport has so many firsts that I don't know if we can cover them all, but it had the first ferry service, the oldest house of worship, the oldest schoolhouse, the oldest cavern in continuous use the oldest circulating library in continuous service, the oldest synagogue, the first duplex house, and the first circus. Many of these things were when the United States still had, still was the 13 colonies. And wasn't Newport both the colonial capital of Rhode Island and part of the first state to declare independence from the British crown? That's one of the great things about visiting Newport, Rhode Island, is there is so much American history to learn and uh absorb while you're there and and hence a number of different things happen there one of i know you mentioned all the oldest but where i'm going to go with that thought for a moment is that uh, religious freedom really started in newport when when the british uh, colonists came uh, into the boston uh, area they were not free to practice their own religion and many of them set off uh, south to uh, what is now aquidneck island newport rhode island to be able to have religious freedom. And, and hence people like Roger Williams and Ann Hutchinson had set up a culture where people could be free to practice their own religion. And, and so I think that was the foundation of which a lot of these other uh, wonderful accolades were built on. Uh, but Newport is, and Rhode Island has always been a place of independent thinking. And it, it is a number of different fascinating chapters of the colonial history, the Gilded Age history, the military history, the Navy years. Um, and so when you're looking at Newport, you're seeing a mosaic. You're looking at a dashboard of American history uh, that spans uh, four centuries. Wow. Evan, since Newport is surrounded by water, it has lighthouses and even had the first female lighthouse keeper. We hear she had more saves than Mariano Rivera. Can you tell us more? <laughs> You know, Dan, that would have to come from a guy like you who's Mr. Baseball, you know. <laughs> um, but that, that, that's a good analogy. Um, Ida Lewis was a woman lighthouse keeper, and she uh, worked at a lighthouse called Lime Rock Lighthouse, uh, which is located in, in Newport. Um, and she uh, became noteworthy throughout New England and throughout the United States and certainly the Eastern colonies because she saved so many people from storms uh, that were happening in Narragansett Bay and, and on the Long Island Sound. So she, she was uh, one of the most decorated lighthouse keepers because of the number of uh, rescues that she made as a lighthouse uh, operational manager. And today she is uh, revered. She is buried in Newport. People can visit where she is buried uh, and, and still see the little tiny lighthouse, which is now 
uh, a yacht club, believe it or not. And we're talking with Evan Smith of Discover Newport. Now, you mentioned the Yacht Club. Now, I know Newport is known for sailing, including the America's Cup and the New York Yacht Club Regatta, which actually got its start in Newport before the Civil War. Is sailing still a big deal in Newport? It absolutely is. Um, There are so many different types and classes of sailing that happens in Newport, Folks need to remember that sailing comes in extra large, large, medium, and small, and many people (laughs) participate in competitive sailing at every level. And Newport hosts international sailboat races. We host transatlantic sailboat races. We just hosted the start of the Newport Bermuda race. Um, We have dozens and dozens of regattas that people, sailors, come from all of the United States and all over the world to participate in. And we're very proud in that just on Memorial Day weekend, we opened up the International Sailing Hall of Fame and the Sailing Museum in Newport, um, which is one of our newest attractions and another resource and reason for people to appreciate and absorb the, the rich history and long history of competitive sailing from Newport. Newport hosted the America's Cup sailboat races from 1930 to 1983. Uh, but we've hosted mm-hmm. just about every other major regatta in the world. Uh, and so sailing is alive and well and competitive uh, in the fabulous waters of Narragansett Bay. Ah. And when we were speaking of first, didn't Newport also have the first public roller skating rink and the first international polo match? Those are two of the many accolades that Newport can actually uh, take claim to. Newport was somewhat of a recreational paradise as people with great wealth came there, so came these ideas. So the, uh, the first sailing matches, the first tennis matches held in 1881, the first golf mm-hmm. championship held in uh, 1895, uh, roller skating, they took a hotel lobby and converted it into a roller skating rink. Um, and so all of these recreational uh, pursuits Uh, flourished in Newport because they were passionate pastimes of those that had the resources, the financial resources to expand and and grow these types of things. So those four sports, sailing, golf, tennis, and polo, can all claim their American roots to Newport, Rhode Island. Hmm. Yours is an extremely photogenic location, Evan. I love the cliff walk and I've visited every time I come to town. Please tell our listeners what it is. The Cliff Walk is a walking trail, simply. It's a pathway that uh, goes along the southeastern side of Aquidneck Island. Uh, many people don't know that Newport is actually part of an island, uh, but the Cliff Walk is a very beautiful and scenic walking trail. It's three and a half miles long, and as people are strolling the Cliff Walk, they're absorbing the beauty of the vistas of the Atlantic Ocean and the waves on the Atlantic Ocean. There's a rather steep uh, topography there so they can enjoy the cliffs and the waves crashing into the cliffs. Um, And so it's a a three-and-a-half-mile path with ocean on one side and the fabulous Gilded Age mansions of Newport on the other side. So it is a very memorable walk. It's one of the top three things when people say, what should I do in Newport? I say, you've got to at least do the cliff walk. 
<laughs> now, Evan, I want to go back to about tennis and golf because they're both popular in Newport, and I understand Newport hosted the first golf U.S. Open and the first amateur championship, plus the first national lawn tennis championship all before the dawn of the 20th century. Can you elaborate a little on that? Yes, Mary Ellen, um, two of my favorite subjects, so thank you for asking that question. And this is actually Tennis Week in Newport, so the ATP Tour is in Newport right now. Um, It just came to Newport after Wimbledon, so all the pro players are on a 52-week circuit, and they've just come to Newport. But back in 1881, the very first tennis tournament was held on the historic grass courts. Mm. We're talking with Evan Smith of Discover Newport. And, Evan, speaking of sports, chalk up another first for Newport. The first automobile race way back in 1895. I wonder what that was like and how fast those cars could go. <laughs> well, think about the time and the period. Only those people who had great wealth could actually afford the first automobiles. As people started to convert from horse-drawn carriages to automobiles, um, you had to have money to afford that. Hence, uh, the very wealthy who came to Newport this summer not only wanted to show off their great architecture, but they wanted to show off their new toys. And so they were some of the first to buy the cars. And, and certainly, um, in, in this case, uh, you know, racing came on very early. And, and Will U.K. Vanderbilt and some of his friends uh, were some of the first to race cars on Aquidneck Island. Uh, and so that is another uh, footnote of, of great Newport history. Didn't Newport also issue the very first traffic violation a few years later because somebody was speeding at 15 miles an hour? (laughs) I have understand that to be the truth. I have not seen the parking ticket myself or the the violation, the speeding ticket myself, (laughs) uh, but it has been recorded in the journals of Newport history. um, And so I believe that to be true. And uh, I you know, it was bound to happen, but 15 miles an hour uh, seems to be so. Um, what a perspective today as we get speeding tickets at 80 and 90 miles an hour. Speeding at 15 miles an hour seems almost uh, beyond comprehension. And I know you have a terrific automobile museum, and if that ticket were around, it would probably be there, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think so. We, we're very blessed. We actually have two fabulous automobile museums here. You have Drain Automobile Museum and the Newport Car Museum so that visitors can have a choice of seeing not one but two fabulous museums. And between the two of them, they have hundreds of vintage cars. So anyone who's a car fanatic is going to have just a total immersion into the history of cars in, in both these museums. And I love trains and trolleys and things on tracks. So don't you also have a sightseeing train ride? We do. We have a sightseeing train that will take people up the western side of Aquidneck Island, um, which is very scenic and relaxing and, and takes you back to yesteryear. We also have a new product, which is called the Rail Explorers. And to simply explain it, it looks like a car on the train tracks, uh, and you sit on this chassis and two or four people pedal like you're pedaling a bicycle, and you're moving the chassis along the railroad tracks. 
Um, and so that's a different experience people can have. You can do it as a twosome or a foursome, but you're actually pedaling your own bike down the railroad tracks. And it's, it's a fabulous and it's a lot of fun. The Rail Explorers. That reminds me of Buster Keaton and the pump cars on the old silent movie. <laughs> you know, and that's a good analogy, Dan. I like that one. <laughs> We're talking with Evan Smith of Discover Newport. Evan, for visitors who want to make the maximum mileage from their minimal time, do you recommend Newport Highlights tours on land, on water, or both? There, when people ask me this all the time, friends and visitors, mm-hmm. Evan, I'm coming to Newport. What do I need to do? And I usually ask them how much time you have. But I say to everyone, Mary Ellen, if you, you need to accomplish at least three things. You need to visit one of the great Newport mansions. You need to walk the cliff walk, and you need to take a harbor tour. If you only had one day to spend in Newport, if you could accomplish those three things, a mansion tour, the cliff walk, and a harbor tour, you really would have seen the best of the DNA of Newport. There's a thousand other things to do in the city, but if you only have a limited time and and vacation budget, then that's what I would recommend you do. Mm. So those tours, they, they pass the homes of the rich and famous, such as the Kennedys, the Vanderbilts, and the Rockefellers, or do you actually go in? So there are 11 of the mansions open to the public today, and so visitors have an opportunity to select one, two, or three different mansions that they'd like to visit and, and tour. Mm. Um, and so they can drive there, you can park there, you can buy your tickets right there. Um, the water tours take you all around Newport Harbor and all along the shoreline, uh, which is really a wonderful experience. Um, and there's so many other things that you can do. You can take helicopter tours. You can take walking tours. You can take graveyard tours. Um, so <gasps> there's just so many different tours to experiment with. So it's wonderful. So should the Newport Historical Society be the first stop for a first-timer who wants to learn about the area's legacy? The Newport Historical Society has a wonderful museum that gives you a a fabulous orientation to the city. Uh, It starts with the colonial roots of the city and progresses from there. Um, Again, it depends on how much time you budgeted for your Newport visit and what types of things you like to see and tour, uh, because there's so many different experiences to enjoy. Uh, and there's so much history here. I see a lot of people who say, I've been to Newport. I've seen the Breakers Mansion. Uh, I've been there, done that. I've taken it off my travel list. And my response is, no, there's so many other things to see and enjoy. Please come back. Uh, we have enough of stuff course. to fill 10 vacations. Yes. <laughs> okay, you're listening to Travelage Radio with Dan Schlossberg and Mary Ellen Nugent Lee. Find the archive show on blogtalkradio.com or check out Travel Itch Radio on Facebook. We're also on iTunes. And we're talking with Evan Smith of Discover Newport. Evan, am I correct in thinking that President John F. Kennedy and Jacqueline Bouvier were married in Newport? Are there many celebrity weddings there? That is, you are correct, Dan. Um, in September 1953, then uh, Senator John Kennedy from Massachusetts married Jacqueline Bouvier in Kennedy um, in Newport. Uh, and they had their reception at Hammersmith Farm, a lovely estate on Ocean Drive. Um, And so that launched a very 
uh, robust wedding industry for Newport for the next five decades, frankly. Um, and <laughs> just a couple of years ago, Jennifer Lawrence got married here in Newport. And we average over 1,200 weddings a year in Newport. Uh, we do almost 25 weddings a weekend. Um, and so we've really evolved into a destination wedding place. But a lot of that, I think, goes back to the Kennedy Bouvier wedding. Um, I think that's where that mystique all grew from. Um, and today we see uh, people from all walks of life uh, celebrating their marriage here in Newport, which is a wonderful thing, and it's a big part of our economy. Hmm. So how many visitors does Newport get each year, and what's the average length of stay? The We estimate that Newport gets about 3.5 million visitors a year. There is no one counter that, that counts each individual visitor, but you can look at the various mm-hmm. different attraction attendance, the hotel occupancy, the event attendance, and you can use formulas to, to extrapolate that number. So we think it's about 3.5 million people. And the average length of stay is about 2.5 days. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's important. We're within – there are 300 million Americans – 10% of them, 30 million Americans, live within four hours of Newport. So we're a one-day drive. So it's very easy for so many people to get to Newport. And for those beyond that, we have lots of flight connections that are coming into our regional airport, TF Green International Airport. Hmm. Can out-of-towners stay in those historic properties, like the Hotel Viking or in bed-and-breakfast accommodations? Um, and also, does Newport have brand-name properties like Hyatt and Marriott? So Newport has over 200 lodging options, and that's one of our strengths, I think, is we offer uh, traditional hotels. We offer beautiful inns. uh, We have a wide variety of bed and breakfasts, and we have a a lot of short-term rentals. But to your question, Mary Ellen, uh, yes, you can stay in some of the historic properties. The Vanderbilt Hotel uh, is one of the classic hotels that people can choose to stay in. Castle Hill Inn is another former Newport mansion that people can stay in. Ocean Cliff Resort. All of these resorts and many more are highlighted on our website. Uh, But, yes, you get that wonderful experience of the classic years of Newport. You have that choice. But then for those travelers who prefer brand hotels like Marriott's and other properties like that, we have all the various different brands that range from Residence Inn to Hampton Inn and I could go down the whole list of Holiday Inn Express and everything else. So traveler's preference can go from brand hotels to individual boutique hotels and everything in between. That's great. And what are your peak and bargain seasons? And are there reasonable package deals to be had during the off-season? So our peak travel season is May through October. It's summertime in New England, and everyone's out really enjoying the best that New England has to offer. The Two shoulder seasons, basically, I think April and May, and then again October, November, I think is one of the best times to visit Newport because it's a little less crowded and there's a lot more value for your dollar uh, in the hotel and lodging community. So, yes, there are the peak travel season, I think, is crowded in many resorts throughout North America. Uh, But those are the two times I would recommend to come to Newport would be the two shoulder seasons. And we also have a very vibrant winter scene. Um, And it's it's Mm. not a place, it's not a resort that goes to sleep. Um, Newport is a wonderful winter escape for those seeking to relax, to enjoy a spa, to work on their health, 
to enjoy cuisine and food and, and culinary tourism. So we have we, we sell out almost every weekend of the year, uh, and that's because people are just coming to enjoy the, the beauty and relax in Newport, Rhode Island. Oh, you gave me some ideas, Evan. We're talking with Evan Smith of Discover Newport. And if people want a real colonial experience, what do you recommend regarding places to stay, places to dine, and things to do? So Newport has sometimes been referred to as the wooden city. Um, there are so many houses mm-hmm. that are been saved and preserved. Uh, the Doris Duke Foundation had a lot to do with saving all of these wonderful wooden houses. Many of them today uh, are bed and breakfasts and are run or small inns, uh, and so we have a plethora of these. Some destinations might offer three or four of choices in this regard. Um, we have close to 200 inns and bed and breakfasts in our city, um, and each one of them has a very unique history and a very authentic story to share and tell. And for those travelers who really like that uh, exploration, they, they love the creativity and the unique design and the architecture and not really knowing what's on the other side of the door when they pop their door open and they're in and say, oh, look at this, right? The magic mm-hmm. of that really comes alive in all of these beautiful properties that we have there. So different strokes for different folks. There are travelers out there who like the unique, authentic experience. There's other people who say, please give me the brand name. And so we're fortunate that we offer both experiences, regardless of what your travel preference is. Hmm. Although Annapolis might argue, Evan, doesn't Newport have more colonial homes still in use than anywhere else in the U.S.? Annapolis is a beautiful city, uh, one of my favorite American cities, um, I have no beef with them. They're wonderful. Uh, We let the historians deal on that subject, but I think that uh, (laughs) if you were to ask different historians, uh, Newport would probably win that measurement. Uh, But it's the the reality of the situation is they're both beautiful destinations, and they should be both on everybody's travel list. Uh, If you visit Newport and you like it, you'd like Annapolis. If you visit Annapolis and you like it, you'd visit Newport. They they should both be on your travel list. And I remember numerous seafood restaurants right along the waterfront, so you can not only enjoy the food but the view. And I also remember visiting the place where the lobster boats came in. Can you enlighten our listeners Ah. there? So, yes, Newport is a coastal seaport. I think it's kind of the quintessential New England seaport. When you tell somebody in Kansas, I want you to dream about a New England seaport, you're thinking about what the Newport Harbor front looks like. And uh, obviously seafood is, is right at our doorstep. And so dozens of different species of fish are caught live and brought into the port and offered in restaurants up and down the waterfront. Chefs, I think, do a fabulous job offering all different types of cuisine uh, and, and recipes for the fish, whether it be chowder, whether it be a stuffy, uh, whether it be calamari. Um, there's all these wonderful things that people enjoy, including the quintessential lobster and the lobster roll, <laughs> which are some must when people come to visit. Uh, and so the it's one of the hard things about visiting Newport is picking out where you'd like to dine because there are so many different seafood options, but there's also other depth in terms of Italian, steak, Indian, you name it, Newport has a restaurant for it. Hmm. Okay, a couple of minutes left, Mary Ellen. Yeah, uh, Evan, we've only got a few minutes, but could you tell us about the LaForge Casino restaurant on Bellevue Avenue? 
So a number of different restaurants in Newport have great and colorful history. Bellevue Avenue is one of the most uh, known and well-respected addresses in America because of the great wealth that was built there uh, over the years. Um, and, and so with all of those people, they needed places to shop and places to eat. And um, at a, once upon a time, there was a facility built um, as a private men's club by James Gordon Bennett. Um, it would later evolve into the Tennis Hall of Fame. But inside that historic structure, um, there is a wonderful restaurant called La Forge, and it has vistas overlooking the grass courts of the Tennis Hall of Fame. So how special is that to okay. enjoy some Evan, great I'm sorry, I've got to move on. I'm getting cued here. So I want to thank you. How do people get more information about Newport? Best way to is visit our website, discovernewport.org or call our 800 number 1-800-326-6030. And that's it for this edition of Travel Witch Radio. Next week, we'll talk Charlotte, North Carolina with Lauren Hawk. Now, this is Dan Schlossberg along with Mary Ellen Nugent Lee saying thank you for your time this time. Until next time, good night and stay safe.